Welcome to the third episode of Work, Rest and Pay, an audio series where we explore and discuss the, some of the HR and pay challenges of our time. I'm Laura Whipfler and I'm the External Communications Manager at ADP UK and I'm joined by Jeff Phipps, our General Manager on each one of these episodes. Hi Jeff. Good morning Laura. So today we bring you quite a different episode, which we're quite excited about. We've got a full house of ADPers um, on this, this episode. I suppose what we wanted to do was to cover something that is quite topical or coming down the line at least in April 2021. So what we are talking about is the civilian employment of veterans and indeed reservists in, I suppose, these very unusual times that we find ourselves in. Why are we talking about that today? Well, really, um, it is all linked to the National Insurance Contribution Relief that's coming in in April 2021 um, for employers, which will act as, I suppose, an incentive for the employment of veterans um, for the first 12 months of their civilian employment. So that's a huge topic in its own right, and we'll, we'll come back to that and the consultation which the government has been having around that um, to get sort of insights and perspectives on that. I'm really delighted to welcome um, two of our guests today. We have got uh, um, employees of and team members of ADP UK. So we have got Graham Butterworth, who is a member of our sales team, and he is a Navy reservist. So you're very welcome, Graham. Thank you very much. Good morning, Laura. And we've also got um, former British Army officer, Chris King, who uh, came to ADP straight from um, being, being employed by the British Army, um, straight into our um, academy, and is now a member of our command team. So again, Chris, you're very welcome. Good morning, Laura. Good morning, Ray. Thank you. Just a bit of a correction on there. You've just commissioned me, Laura. I, I wasn't an officer. I was, uh, I, I, oh. I, yeah, I wasn't an officer. But other than that, you're spot on. There you go. You'll have to correct me as I go along. Um, no problem. Kind of all, all the terminology and this world, um, which is, you know, quite intriguing for me because it's very, very different, I suppose, to, to the world I'm living in. So before we get started and talk about the relief, um, what we wanted to do was give you a bit of an insight into, I suppose, the journey into civilian employment and balancing that civilian employment with being a reservist, um, which is the case for, for Graham. So if we start with you, Chris, um, we'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, how how did you transition into current role? Um, I know you, you spoke to me before about um, going straight from um, from being in your, in your position on a Thursday um, into ADP, into the um, academy on, on a Monday. So tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, pretty much. Where to start with? I suppose if I go back a year or so prior to joining ADP, um, I was away for most of the time on that period. Uh, I started off in Kenya uh, Christmas the year before, so in 2015. So I was in Kenya for quite a while. Uh, came back from Kenya, went on a couple of courses, and then went straight on to operational uh, training or pre-deployment training for Operation Tosca, which is the UN peacekeeping mission to Cyprus. Uh, I deployed out there in May of 2016, um, and I was in Cyprus then pretty much until April uh, 2017. 
from there, I started my uh, post-operational tour leave and my termination leave uh, from the military. I had no clue, really, if I'm brutally honest, what I was going to do next. It was, and I was very, very lucky. My partner works within payroll. She was aware of the uh, opportunity ADP or the academy were advertising uh, and encouraged me to give it a go. With nothing to lose, that's why I applied. So I applied at that stage. Went out to Canada to visit, my mum lives out there, so I went out to visit my mum in Canada, and at five o'clock in the morning, uh, I was sat at the dining table doing my telephone interview for ADP. Returned, I had a couple of weeks leave, and you're right, I was officially discharged on the Thursday and started at ADP on the Monday morning. So over that previous 12 months of joining ADP, it was a completely different world. Um, as I say, it was... Part of, part of the transition across, I was very, very lucky and ended up in the ADP environment from the Monday morning. Wow. And, and since then, you've sort of moved positions a little bit in ADP. You've been been with us for, for three years. Is that right? I have joined ADP in, in the end of July 2017. And I started, as you say, in the training academy, went as a payroll specialist. I've been very lucky then since I've had a new position each year up in here. So I've had three new positions. So I'm now a strategic account manager um, working within the, the account management team uh, and looking after some of those clients. Yeah, um, quite a lot of movement, been very busy, but it's been been good fun along the way. Great. And I suppose in terms of sort of the skills that you, you brought into that first role and, and into your, your current role, um, I'd really be interested to hear about those. We, we spoke sort of last week when we were talking about this podcast around sort of principles that you apply um, from, from your, your military background. Yeah, we did. We made a conversation about transferable skills and, and what veterans and ex-army came to the table. And one thing that is incredibly good at is training its people. Uh, and putting on them in an environment that demands really good communication, great organisational skill and concise decision-making, often under a lot of pressure. That's that's a skill that's put on you and ingrained from the very, very beginning. And there is a lot of skills that I've learned through the military that I still use on a day-to-day -day basis. One thing that any soldier will recognise is what we call the seven questions or the car estimate, and that's something that I still use on a daily basis. And I'll not bore you with all the seven questions, but more relevantly, those are questions such as, what's the situation? How does it affect me? What have I been told to do and why? What effects do I need to achieve? And what direction must I give to develop my plan, etc.? And they're very clear questions that the military asks itself or its junior leaders ask themselves in every situation. And it helps you form a very clear plan very quickly um, and it, it still helps me day to day to look at what I'm being asked to do, how I'm going to attack that and how I'm going to get the end result. So still as relevant to me now as it was when I, when I first learned it in the military. Mm, which is fascinating really. I think, uh, I think you'll all agree that uh, that is, is a very, uh, I suppose, practical, practical approach um, that is very much transferable. Okay. Uh, so thank you for, for that insight into into your world. Turning to you, Graham, so you're in, in, a, in a different situation, I suppose, in terms of being a reservist. Um, so at any one time, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, you could be uh, mobilised. So what does that world look like uh, in terms of, you know, managing a pretty busy role in ADP um, and being up to speed um, and, and ready to, to be deployed? Thank you, Laura. Well, it's certainly my experience from, from Chris is very different. However, um, as a reservist, you, you're ultimately 
when you are drafted into service or when you're mobilized, you, you've got to be as competent as those around you. Um, so, so to get to that level, it's um, consistent touch points with your branch and your unit um, and kind of taking responsibility for your time in that sense. So it's really that 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 balance with your everyday life. So my family, my balance with work and, of course, the, the, the reserve um, training that you have to do. So we, we committed to 24 days a year and that includes weekends and at least a, a training serial of two weeks um, and that could that could be extended and uh, I, I suppose looking at that it's great with ADP and, and of course I've had lots of conversations with Jeff um, in fact um, took Jeff around Portsmouth Harbour whilst I was in my naval livery which was quite 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 good as well if you remember that Jeff um, but, but the, the big point about that is those two weeks training in previous employment, you know, that came out of my holiday entitlement. And, and that was always quite difficult um, to balance and to reason with my family. You know, I've got I've got four children now, but back back in the day, obviously, I had a few, few less when when I had to deal with that. Um, and ADP supporting and, and having that gold standard now, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in a minute. And I'm sorry if I'm taking this away from you, Jeff, is we we. <laughs> we 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 get that given to us. We don't have to take that out of our whole entitlement. ADP recognises the value in the training that we've we've been given. Um, of course, the Navy um, um, they invest heavily in our development in our training, so that when we are called upon uh, in an operational environment, we can deliver. And maybe to bring you in, Jeff, then at, at this point, it'd be lovely to hear your story and how you've supported uh, Graham and other reservists uh, on, on their, I suppose, ability to to be able to uh, concentrate on that training element. I think um, my journey with this started um, really early in my career. Um, I, I have never served in, in, in the services, but I have been fortunate enough to work with a, a number of people who have. And quite early on in my career, I worked in an environment where there'd been uh, quite a high level of recruitment from people from the services. And so there were a lot of people there that were ex-services. And what I experienced was was one of the best working environments that that I'd had the, the sort of pleasure to be part of. One where there was um, a real focus on getting the job done, um, a really good discipline around that, great communication. I mean, a lot of people, you know, when we're recruiting, we go, you will be asking people, oh, are you a good communicator and give me examples, et cetera. But this I found was just like a, an innate quality and in everybody that I worked with that was ex-services. And if you think about it in extreme cases, Laura, you can't be confusing someone. Did you say fire or not fire? <laughs> so that is really, really strong. It comes across incredibly strongly. But the thing that I'd add on top of that was there was a tremendous sense of camaraderie, a tremendous sense of fun. You really, and, and as you get into the stories people tell um, of their experiences, you realize that a lot of the time when you're serving, you're going through pretty rough um, circumstances and you've got to be able to get through that as a team. So their ability to work together um, and actually excel under difficult circumstances really, really struck me, even in a very different environment to the one that they've been in in the in the services where the, you know one of uh, and ultimately became my best man but he was on he served in the Falklands and you know actually his his um, ship was sunk during the Falklands so you can imagine that difference in scenario we're not fortunately we're not dealing with anything like that in our in our office environment so that really struck me I was in my early 20s when that happened when I saw that sort of value and that's carried forward with me 
you know, really throughout my career to sort of tap into those skills that that you can uh, you can access that with a lot of people that are that are coming from that environment. And <clears throat> really, for me, it wasn't it wasn't my idea. I'm not going to claim that the uh, the the idea behind us getting involved in the military covenant was something that came from me. But it became, you know, it was an it was a no brainer in terms of supporting that because for us that's about it's really part of a broader diversity and inclusion uh, set of activities that we do. But you know, we want people to be at ADP um, from the most diverse sort of range of backgrounds and and circumstances as possible. We know the science and the research tells us that that results in better organisations. But it really matters to us actually that that. The people that work at ADP reflect the society that we serve. When we match those two things up, we know we're going to get the, the best results. So that's really the, the sort of journey that's led us towards where we are today. And as, as Graham touched on, we're now proud to have our sort of gold status under that military covenant. Just, just touching on that, yeah, Jeff, and and I suppose the the work group from Ali Robertson Fox formerly, and then of of course Michelle Banks is is put driving that along too. From um from from the perspective of someone who's about to leave the forces, I think that's a real beacon. Obviously, you you go onto the Surfco website, you can see two thousand ish um uh, employers that have um that have gone to get this covenant, whether it's a bronze, silver, or gold standard. For us to get, we, we were silver last year. It was before two thousand nineteen. We we're bronze, so we've we've come a real we've we've gone very far very quickly, and that shows ADP's commitment and. For, I've got friends who are serving full time who will be leaving and they'll be looking for companies like us because it shows that executive sponsorship. You know, the fact that you, you've clearly sponsored this. Um, but seeing that um, from somebody who's leaving the forces, they, they already understand that ADP value and the, the skill sets that, that they've got, they've they've honed through their time in the military that Chris has. Um, so, so I think it's great. Hopefully, we, we, we see more veterans um, being employed in the future. I, I think on that, Graham, well, I was really surprised that as um, as we started to get more involved with the military covenant and some of the conversations I got just really surprised me. I, as I said, because of the background I've had, I've always valued, you know, the skills that you can get from people that have served. And um, and I should extend, say, by the way, that this isn't just about um, ex-services people, you, you, you're a reservist, Graham, but it's also about the families of those people. Yeah. What really surprised me was some of the work that that the um, that I was shown around how people are often discriminated against. You know, the opposite to my experience, that people are actually um, treated badly or, or, or differently and, and in, in a negative way because they're ex-services. Some seems to appear that some people are, have allowed that to become stigmatised, which which I was really sort of surprised and shocked at. I don't know, Graham, if you or, or Chris or you or any of your your kind of friends and colleagues have experienced that. But I just I was quite saddened to hear that. And and again, it, it sort of makes the the reason for us doing this even more important. I think. Yeah, I'm not, Jeff. I think it is important that ADP have recognised that it's more than just the leaving service, and it's the families as well. Because there's a greater difficulty as well with the families that very often isn't recognised. And that army or, or a military wife that's followed a battalion around the world and moved the house very frequently. So their careers have been put on hold. Their, their abilities have been frozen while they've done that. So when their husband leaves the military and there is some support in place for the husband, they become very isolated. And they're starting from the beginning in middle age. And, and the fact that 
that's the difficulties they've also gone through. I think it's hugely important. Yeah, I guess that that must be challenging, Chris, because when people move around, especially if you've got you know lots of movement where people are moving literally sort of around, not just in the UK, but moving around um, with families, etc. The community is actually within the services, and so when you leave that, you you know you're not just trying to start a career maybe later than other people, but you're also doing it perhaps without that community support that you might have if you someone that's always lived in a certain area and, and has got that sort of support network around you. Service leaves a settler, not the area they're originally from. So you're right, it is that isolation that is overlooked from members of the service leaver. Yeah. Okay, so you're breaking up ever so slightly, Chris, but we'll 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 keep going. Uh, we did we did hear here. Uh, this is the the world we're living in right now, isn't it? Working from home and uh, everyone using the broadband and it being midterm, as you were telling us earlier in your house. <laughs> so, um, yeah. so just to I yeah, suppose circle is. back to yeah um to i suppose just for listeners because uh just to, to clarify what the the armed forces covenant gold award is i hadn't i hadn't heard of it i have to admit before i came to adp but it is a you know it's a pledge um where or, organizations employers pledge and sort of demonstrate and advocate support to defence in the armed forces community, as we've just spoken about, and align their, their values to the armed forces covenant. So we as ADP have been, have been on a journey and have, have recently acquired or uh, won the, the the gold standard. Um, and I'm told that there are about 51 of those in the southeast. So um, which, which, you know, we're immensely proud of, I think. Uh, and I suppose just circling back to the, the wider activities within ADP, I know we have like a military business resource group um, uh, because we've got that, that model of business resource groups um, on, on many themes and topics in ADP. Um, but some of that work is around, again, um, analysing skills and, and looking at sort of um, reaching out via employment fairs and whatnot. Graham, you're involved in that business resource group. Um, could you tell us a little bit about that work, just to, to circle back to the, the employment aspect? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it's headed by Michelle Banks now, and um, Michelle's formed um, quite a quite a large team of, of um, ex-serving um, veterans and of, of, of course reservists. So I think I'm the only reservist in there at the moment. Um, but ultimately, um, it's, it's kind of as, as Jeff said, it's it's um, awareness. Of, of the, where, where these people are coming from, the, the previous careers, but also reaching out um, to prospective employees that, that um, are serving. So we, we assist in career in the career transition partnership. Um, again, another avenue for people that are leaving the forces to, to look for assistance for help. You know, and, and there's um, there's a workshop that we were working on at the beginning of the year called the Final Approach Workshop. Um, we'd assist um, to, to be soon to be leavers with um, CV building, um, interview um, prep, etc., and kind of um, to, to giving them advice on where they can look for and where they can align their their, their skills, etc. And the the other piece that that, that we get involved with is um, I said about raising awareness. Sometimes you'll see on the back of a toilet door. 
a profile of one of us who who served <laughs> <laughs> great toilet reading. Yeah, um, it can be quite intimidating to have your face <laughs> looking at me and trying to get a quiet moment. You. <laughs> Whoever's got a bad idea. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Um, yeah, it's, it's yeah. Um, so so there's that awareness, and obviously all the TVs and boards, and that was in the good old days when we were in the office, um, and. Um, of, of course, I'm, I'm not sure how we're going to spread that, but we've got we've got our internet uh, resources and, and we still push out the good word. But we also um, get involved with things like uh, the Liquid List. So the Liquid List is a, a, a group, an organisation run by retired Lieutenant Colonel Mike Nicholson, and it's it's run on I think the first first Thursday of of every month. Obviously, it's, we've not seen one since February, but um, again, it's a, it's a place where Current current serving and those who have recently finished serving go along and and we'll we'll again give advice, but we also present the business case of ADP. You know, we we recognise those skills and talents, as Jeff said, and and we'll go there and we'll sell us and we'll say, look, we've got um, a number of opportunities. We recognise what you bring to the table. Come and talk to us if you think this kind of ticks ticks your boxes. Um, so so we get involved in many external initiatives as well as internal initiatives. Um, and, and again, yeah, Jeff, Jeff made that really great point about it's the families, and and I, I didn't mention that at all. But of course, it's that extra piece, and where we 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 look at making sure that those families are treated fairly. And of course, that's what the covenant ensures. You know, we we do that. Right. Thank you. Thank you for that. It's really, really nice to to hear, I suppose, uh, from someone who's so involved in this uh, to get a, get an insight. So uh, I suppose coming back then to uh, what we originally started out with, um, which was this, you know, relief that is coming in the new tax year around national insurance contributions. So the government has had a consultation around this, which ended the beginning of October, um, appreciating, I suppose, that it is quite a complex area um, with many, many perspectives and dimensions. So they've been out gathering comments on things like, you know, what's what's the definition of a veteran, for instance, to qualify for this relief, you know, what employment periods, how should it be administered and whatnot. So where we're actively watching the space in ADP, we are preparing our sort of products for the initial tranche of this change in, in April. Um, but I think that there's a lot more um, that will come in terms of bedding down um, and this, this policy direction. So really keen to hear um, from, from you all just your perspective. Um, on on that, um, you know, what what's your take on on something like that? Um, so maybe if I turn to to Chris first, um, in terms of of that broader question, it's quite a complex one, but would love to hear your insight. Yeah, there's um, again something we talked about Laura earlier, and it's a question two parts. And supporting veterans transition is. As important as it may be, it's a part of society, uh, many of whom have sacrificed more uh, than people can ever know. And, it, and it's not just the, obvi the obvious, it's, it's, it's lost families and separations and the incompatibility of, of domestic and military life. So their entire working life have been a sacrifice. And there are uh, difficulties with some uh, service leavers, mental health, physical injury, and and also the moving into what's a cold world. It, it's quite frightening for people that have lived in it are very close there for, for years through their, their working life. And the question of providing that support, again, is one that's complex because you, you mentioned there about 
defining a veteran? Even that's a difficult question because you look at how you do that and, and there are a couple of ways to and you can say, well, should it be a time limit, a minimum time served, say three years, which is a relevant time in, in the minimum terms of engagement? Well, is that really fair? Because there may be a service leaver that has only been in the military for a year who's had some life-changing injury and medically discharged from the services and therefore would fall through the crack and not be eligible for the support. The actual definition of a veteran is somebody that served one day in the military. Again, is that right? Because that's somebody that's turned up to a, a phase one training establishment, stayed overnight and decided this isn't really for me and left but they, they're entitled to the full package of benefits. And, and and the third person is the man that served 25 years in the military, who's never served in an operational theatre, has got a very, very relevant career and, and may have had a great military career. So you can't define it on, on operational service either. So it's, it's, it's a really difficult question um, and something that, that matters a lot to veterans and, and how they are defined. Uh, and that's not taken away from them when, when they feel that they've earned it. The actual support that's then given and, and the National Insurance Contribution Holiday for employers where on the face of it may be a benefit for the employer, I think it, it is important uh, and it's it's a good thing that it gives the employer the incentive to, to look at service leavers and think, well, it's a market we perhaps would not have initially looked at. Service leavers very often find things such as CV writing and interview skills very difficult because it's something they've never done. So a heads up or, or a leg up um, with doing that and an employer that's saying, well, we really want to have a look at you because of the incentive we've been given allows you to jump that. And what organisations will then find is that they'll get people that are usually very loyal and have some very specific skills. And we go again to, to the integrity and, and dedication and the ability for somebody to just get something done. So that's the employee that you will find, which may be a hidden employee without these kind of incentives. That's a bit of a jumbled answer, but I hope it makes some sense. No, definitely. Lot, lots of considerations and, and, and thought. Um, uh, moving to you, Graham, what, what's your, do you have anything to, to add to that? Well, I, I was very you. interested. Yeah, I was, I was interested to hear Chris's, Chris's take on that. Obviously, Chris has done a lot of homework on that, and it's a very considered response. So I really liked um the the piece on it gives um perspective employers that that look they will look at service leavers based on this so it's a kind of um it's it's a it's a jog in the right way so i in in, in terms of will it <clears throat> will it um give an advantage to a service leaver i don't know i think if if em employers have two candidates in front of them um uh, and, and they recognise the value of a service leaver. I, I don't think that um, insurance break will assist. I think, uh, in the way that Chris has mentioned, it, that it gives um, uh, uh, gives them a prod to look at um, service leavers. Yeah, I, th I think it's very valuable in that sense. And I hadn't considered that, so it's a good point, Chris. Yeah. Thank you. And Jeff, sort of f final word and views from you from you on this one as an employer. I think I try to tap a little bit into um, Chris's seven questions or, or kind of <laughs> army seven questions. I think that um, in broadly anything that helps is it should be welcomed. I think that's okay. I, I sometimes worry though that some of these things are a little bit um, uh, the sort of a question where how it fits into a broader strategy. I mean for me what's important here I don't I don't need a financial incentive to 
try and hire people from the military. I really know the value I get from working with the military to find, uh, you know, to help find people that, that are going to come to ADP. Uh, they benefit from that. We benefit from that. I think the, the overall objective should be that that nobody from uh, the services is can can end their time in the services um, worrying about what they do next, right? That they, they know that the, the, the systems that are there, whatever that may be, both within the military and within the uh, the future employers are going to mean that they have a, a very, very high um, likelihood that they are going to be able to, to get walk into um, employment. Uh, and as we've said, that also needs to support their sort of families as well. So one of the things that I touched on earlier was that the military covenant is about not part of it is about not discriminating, which I found slightly odd. It's kind of why would we discriminate? So I, th I just worry about what is the you know, how does it fit within a sort of, you know, within a broader need and does it really satisfy that i think chris chris made some really good points there i, I spent seven years working for um crisis and, and working in the shelters and there's a very high proportion of people that <clears throat> that come to those shelters a high proportion of people that are ex-military that end up on the streets homeless um that's not going to solve that problem i realize there are other things there so we just need to make sure that it does fit in part of a broader set of activities that need to go on to make sure that we really look after these people after they've served the country uh, and we help them into the next phase of their lives and their careers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great. Okay, so really good to, to hear those different perspectives. I think they all complement each other in, in some shape or form. It is definitely a complex one. Um, we're going to watch the space as to what the finer detail brings um, when that sort of consultation work has been uh, digested by the government. Um, as I said, we are sort of preparing for that initial phase for April 2021 um, now. So please do keep an eye out on uh, the bridge or online client community and all our other comms channels um, to, to share what we know and what we learn and how we will support that throughout. But really, that's it for today. Um, Laura, so can I just say one thing yeah. in closing? Because although this has been a bit about the legislation, hopefully you'll have picked up um, from the conversations today. One of the things that we would just um, actually really ask people to think about if they're not looking, if they've got organisations and they're not, they haven't come across the military covenant, um, please please go and look at it because it's been a great thing for us. Um, and I can tell you, everybody knows somebody in the services. And so it's not just about the sort of direct benefits of being able to find people like Graham and Chris, but it has a positive impact across your whole organization. Great, thank you for that summary, that's great. Okay, so that's it for today. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Chris, Graham and Jeff um, for taking the time out to share your stories and your insights and your perspectives on this topic. Um, that's it for today. Thank you all for listening. Take care and talk to you soon.